Hi, I'm Rob Bastone, and welcome to the 100th and 100 and something edition of the Rider Rumblings podcast. Uh, I am here with uh, uh, the man in black, Murray McCormick. You're looking very noir today. I think that's black in French, isn't it? How are you doing, But I feel it's blue. It's a blue shirt. So we're close. At least, at, at least you're not wearing the. T- I, I wear this one every week, so it just. I, know. Uh, it's, I try uh, to. Uh, I try to give people a sense of my fashion every week. It's usually the only, t-shirts. The only change of color I have is my hair. It goes a little grayer every week. Especially watching this football team. Or how's that for oh, a smooth segue? That's a segue. Um, that's. <laughs> um, ugh. You can uh, lose hair in that first half alone from last week from against oh, the BC Lions. That's, my goodness, what you know. I mean, I, I've said my, I've had my say. I think the season's a pretty much a lost cause. I don't see a lot of hope simply because it looks like it's just going to be the same old routine every week on offense. And I think we saw this act last year with arguably a better team overall. What uh, what do you make of this? I wish I could argue against that and say that yeah, well, would they have you have this, this, and this that's going right that you have to really say that makes your your premise a little faulty, but. Other than the defense, man, there's there's not a lot to say about this team. And special teams, I guess, a little bit by Brett Lowther and uh, Corey Vedvik. But, man. Like, Mary Alford's been pretty good. Mary, Alford's been, real, Mary Alford was probably the Riders' best player on uh, yeah. on uh, well, you know, Justin McKittis on, uh, on Friday. Never say never, but I just somehow never thought I'd see Cody Fajardo get pulled. And I know there was some issues with his knee and stuff, but I just kind of thought that, Craig would show the uh, wherewithal to stay with him through the, the through the troubles, through the ups and downs. And in hindsight, look, he had a pull in watching that first half again. I think he needed to be pulled. I needed to get some sort of pressure off him. But as the biggest supporter of Cody Fajardo next to his wife and his family, Rob, I think <laughs> we're, we're pretty surprised that he did that, but it had to be done. And then I have never – Cody's always been admirable for his candidness is in his ability to say what's really on his mind. I've never heard a quarterback say I've lost confidence, some of my confidence. And that really surprised me. And we appreciate it. Makes for great stories because it's great filler for the week. But just a, a whole bunch of events that happened with Cody that I, I'm really still sort of dealing with and wondering how, how he comes back as a starting quarterback, doing the things he did and saying the things he did. So I'm kind of like you, I, I think, but – the same token, what do they have in the cupboard? Like, is Mason Fine a guy you want to go to take on the best team, arguably the second best team in the league right now? If, if you're in a rebuilding phase, if you think that you're you're playing the long game, maybe. But there's a great cup in November, in November, yeah. November twenty, November twentieth in Regina. You know, you've supposed ostensibly built this team for November twentieth. So, if you have to start fiddling around with your quarterback in a year when the Grey Cup is here, not a, not completely different from 1995 the first year in which the Grey Cup was here and uh, that was a team that won six games all year but they couldn't decide all year whether Tom Burgess or or Warren Jones was their quarterback ultimately the answer was neither and Mm -hmm. uh, to have that kind of uncertainty quarterback in a year of this magnitude is really telling and uh, not a good look for this organization that hasn't had a lot of them lately but uh, but I think you made a really really good point Mer like uh, to to hear a quarterback that is this disconsolate when, I mean, we remember talking to Tino Sinceri or, you know, <laughs> marginal quarterbacks and as bad as, as it was, sometimes they always had that air of confidence, even if there was not a lot of reason to have that confidence during a three win season in, in 2015, etc. Or, you know, but uh, um, 
Tino had a lot of playing time in 2014 when the, when the bottom fell out. Um, even you know even Brett Smith sounded confident in 2015 when he was thrust into duty. To, to hear Cody, as you say, his honesty is admirable, but I think that's really telling. And if he was having confidence issues, this is my big issue or big question coming into the game Friday in Vancouver. If he has confidence, if he had confidence, it's his confidence issues. How eloquent of me before <laughs> uh, this past game. What is having been pulled going to do to his psyche? Uh, this is a real bur- This is a. I would submit playoffs aside. This is Cody Fajardo's most important game as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider quarterback coming up. Wow. Yeah. It's also one of their biggest games of the season two coming up. Cause I really think they need to show something against the Lions on the road that they, they are. I can't, can we, can we even use the word contenders yet? Or just people in the, in the hunt in the West, but wow, that's the biggest game that's, yeah, but I mean, you know, if, 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 the bo- if he has another rough game, that you know, that's that's two in a row. If he ends up getting pulled, you know, what does that say about your starting quarterback? Uh, the the alternative is it's a transformative game for Cody and for the team. We we haven't seen him have to rally from a situation such as this yet. He's had tough games. I remember his first year as a starter, he had an awful game against Calgary and rallied from that and ended up being the name the West's West most outstanding player. So it can happen. And he's, he's proven that it can happen, but the expectations are higher now, both for himself and the team. And, uh, and if they are not met, what are the, what are the consequences? What are the ramifications? Where did the Rough Riders go from there? If, uh, if, if they end up pulling Cody two games in a row, I think you're pretty much pulling the pin on Cody. And, yeah. uh. Can they pull uh, the whole offensive line too, Rob? While they're at, or maybe basically well, the tackles. That's the issue, Mur. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, so much of it is is focused on the quarterback, and yes, he needs to play better. But I think what we're seeing of Cody is symptomatic of of a bad offensive line. I think it's symptomatic of a quarterback that has played played behind that offensive line enough that uh, there's a reason to look like you have happy feet. There's a reason to look shell shocked because what expectation is there that? They will consistently provide you with even a fraction of the protection that you require, and that's what's not that's what's not happening. I think it was almost easier for Mason Fine to to look good than Cody Fajardo last week because Mason Fine hasn't had the accumulated time behind that offensive line that would lead <laughs> one to become as uh, as as apprehensive as Cody appears to be. I think if Mason Fine had played as many games as Cody has this year, I think he too would look rather. Uh, you should have some happy feet in the pocket and just look indecisive in the pocket because once it's happened to you um, numerous times, that's got to play into your mind. Not only is it a failure happening in front of you, but it's it's something that can lead can exact a physical toll because you're going to get hit. So um, that's that's my take on Cody right now. I just that this is a real pivotal game for him and the Rough Riders, and and uh, if if it's if it's a repeat of last. Friday, going into back-to-back games then with Winnipeg, maybe the crossover isn't even as promising as it it seems to be, or it seemed to be at one point. Do you think we're giving uh, Mason Fine a little bit too much credit? Like, he had a good, he came in and he looked good in that touchdown drive with Justin McGinnis. I wasn't particularly blown away with the second half. It kind of no, they didn't like score a point in the second I half. No, so I'm going which like it seems to be team policy now. Maybe this love affair needs to be tempered a little bit with uh, Mason to say that let's see what you can do something first before we start anointing you the guy who's going to take over from Cody who's going to get pulled on uh, 
I liked what I saw out of Jake Dolagal in that one game yeah. more than I've been impressed with what I've seen of Cody Fine. I could part of me of Mason Fine overall. But Jake Dolagal had nobody on offense. He had Ken, Sha- Ken Schaefer Baker in the tailbacks. And, mm-hmm. uh, but just that was a, that was a COVID ridden team. And, and Jake Dolagala, um, that to me is the more intriguing of the understudies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I if, they, if they get to that point in, 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 in yeah, where they're, they where they're point. mining number three, uh, in this season, then they've really got issues that somehow they've got to fix Cody and Cody's got to fix Cody. And, right. uh, but even if they can, can they fix that offensive line? There's been no sign yet that they are, uh, willing or able to do it. Well, I shouldn't say willing. They've released the Ty Rogers, but then you end up playing people who for the first half of the season were adjudged to be not as good as the Ty Rogers. And yeah. the offensive line wasn't even remotely better than, than it was uh, previously. Can we get excited, about the po- get excited about the possibility, or the, not the possibility, Kyron Moore's back. Shaq Evans may be back. Course was always an addition. There's subtraction. There's Duke Williams. There's no out. Duke Williams. There's no and Justin no, McKinnis this week. And there's no Jamal Morrow too in, in the running back area too. Yeah. So the Riders get something and they lose something. So I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, one thing I've noticed about Kyron Moore, I think he's bigger. I think he's made himself stronger upper body wise. He looked a little looks a little heavier. So maybe that'll be something. I don't know if he's faster or not because you can't. It's hard to tell if a guy's faster in practice, but. I think that's a good one. And and in a normal Cody year, we'd be touting that as look, it's you know, the the band's back together. These guys are all back together. And and instead of always kind of talking about what Cody's gonna do and maybe overlooking the fact he's gonna get some more weapons than he's had in the last little while too, which I think And he's not but is he gonna get better protection? Well it doesn't matter. I mean, I wrote the other day they could have Don Narcisse, Weston Dressler, Joy Walters, Ray Elgard, and Hugh Campbell as a receiving core in their primes. But if you don't have a of an offensive line, it doesn't matter. And that's that's the thing that uh, is continues to be troubling. And, but they aren't uh, going to have an offensive line, Rob. We know that's not going to happen. Well, then, 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 then they better be prepared to win a lot of nine to six football games. Right? Yeah, that's you know? and I think the defense can do that. Especially now that, and I, I know it's a big loss for the league, it's a big loss for all of us with Nathan Rourke going down. That was, I don't like to use tragic in sports, but it was really sad to see what happened to him. It wasn't a dirty hit. It wasn't anything other than a football injury. But, you know, he's going to be gone till October. We get Michael O'Connor, which if that, if that you know, you and I, if you're a, the backup is a Canadian. Like, you know, you keep saying never say never in the CFL and Eltrot's the backup Canadian and backup Canadian and, I heard him talking the other day, and he seems confident. He seems to be ready to do the job there, as just as everybody has says they prepare to play. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure what kind of offense they're going to have. Like you still got arguably the best receiving core in the league, led by arguably the best receiver in the league in Brian Burnham, who still has that amazing catch against Derek Moncrief in the for the touchdown. But you know, taking Nathan Work out of there. Uh, Equation maybe gives the riders a bit of a chance, a more of a chance on the road in a tough building to play in. That's traditionally, and we're talking August in Vancouver. And if the roof's open, it's still hot and muggy in there, no matter yeah, whatever. But happens. the riders so, intended to win in, in, in Vancouver. I know that's I mean, kind of uh, a strange one, but it's always I did so a story. I did a story on Kyron Moore, and I mean, he's 4 0 in Vancouver. So winning yeah. in Vancouver hasn't been the problem. Winning lately for the Rough Riders has been the problem. Defeating BC has been the problem. Um, I think it reduces the pressure on the on the Rough Rider offense to to. I don't think they're going to be involved in a shootout this coming Friday, 
So, I mean, if they can put 20 points on the board, they should be able to win. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this defense uh, facing uh, facing Michael O'Connor should should have the upper hand. But can they uh, can they even put 20 points on the board? They're, they're still facing the same Lions defense that has given them uh, all sorts of trouble. Yeah. And uh, ever since the Riders got up 17 to four on on the Lions on July 29th, I mean, what's the you know 28 to 10? It's 56 to 10 in the Lions' favor. Eek. Mm -hmm. Right, <laughs> so, <laughs> so enjoy That's the game ugly. on Friday, everyone. And especially an eight thirty start, well, an eight thirty start for Saskatchewan, which is makes it another one of those late games that you hear people grumbling about that the schedule. You know, what's why is this? But they want to have double. Well, what do you do when you got if you if you're playing games on the West Coast? They're going to be later games, right? Start. What do you do? So, and I'll, I've been reading about the Lions, and it's kind of this. I'm looking forward to going there because they they sound like they're doing all they can to sell the game outside the outside of the field. You know, there's a Pardon. Aside from canceling your interview with Nathan Nathan Rourke, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping I can get so much Michael, for promotion. Like, yeah, so hopefully I can get Michael tomorrow. I'm there, uh, but it sounds like they're doing everything they can to get football fans or non-football fans interested in the team, which is exciting. I think it's one of those teams that kinds of needs it. Losing Nathan Rourke is a uh, is a big blow because he's such he's so even though my interview got canceled, I did get to talk to him before the game though last week. Uh, he's, he's such a big selling point for the league. And it was, you know, even now I think people are still going, wow, that's too bad. And it's interesting. I, we, I did that story with Jerry Dottilio and Jerry Dottilio had all this praise for, uh, Nathan Rourke with the caveat, if he stays healthy and it was yeah, kind of prophetic for, uh, for when, when's the last time you heard Rough Rider fans or CFL fans in general as despondent over the oh. injury, over injury to a player? You know, the, yeah. the, 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 it kind of, it cast a pall over the stadium on Friday. Not that Rough Rider fans were in a good mood to begin with, but then you see Nathan Rourke is, is likable a player is, 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 is fun to watch a player as there's been, my goodness, since Warren Moon and, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, for that to go down, just, it's one of the best stories to come out of the Canadian football league, I would argue ever. And, uh, just one of those feel good, good news stories. And, uh, I'll put and you on the spot, Rob. I'm going to put you name the next best story to come out of the CFL this year. And I can you come up with mm. one? <laughs> it's... Um, yeah, that is a, that is a poser. <laughs> I mean, Winnipeg's having a good year, but Winnipeg having a good year isn't novel. Um, Edmonton hasn't been much fun at all, has it? No. Uh, Calgary has been generally unremarkable. Oh my goodness. Um, Toronto's been Toronto. <laughs> it's really <laughs> hard to come here. Up with a... What what else belongs on the podium? If you were to rank the top three, you know, <laughs> stories in the in the CFL this year, um, my goodness, Ottawa is a mess once again. Hamilton's bleh. there's no and personality. Montreal is maybe know, the or... maybe the top stories, and I think when we're battling and you know, babbling on about quarterbacks, is Calgary supposedly going to bench Bo Levi and they have a six and two record. I'm going to write that six and two and they're benching their quarterback. <laughs> that's now maybe that's something that, that Cody can look at then say, well, okay, it hurts to be benched, but I talked to Jason Moss about it yesterday and he says that that's what happens when you're a quarterback. It's going to happen. But if you, if you, if you look around the landscape, but you're seeing, uh, you're seeing um, Bo Levi Mitchell with his amazing credentials, uh, not a, and he's only about two years older than Cody. Mm -hmm. um, if, if they can bench 
Bo Levi Mitchell. Well, then who's this, you know, who's to say that Cody Fajardo can't be sat down? Um, but I, it's I a little different scenario. Oh, sorry. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. It's a I different talked to Jason scenario. Moss about it yesterday. And, yeah. and, and, and I mean, back in 2005, when he helped the, helped Edmonton win a Grey Cup, uh, a lot of the Edmonton success in some pretty big games that year was Ricky Roy, Rick offense hits the wall with Ricky Ray. In comes Jason Moss. That didn't, and Jason Moss works wonders as Edmonton's number two quarterback. Well, guess what? The next week, Ricky Ray was always the starter. And in the Grey Cup in 2005, he was magnificent. But that wasn't, that didn't happen without some detours and some potholes. And that that sometimes led to the removal of the quarterback and in came Jason Moss. But that didn't result in, 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 in Ricky Ray being supplanted as the number one quarterback. And what you consider what our mentor and friend Ricky Ray is to Cody Fajardo, maybe there's a chance to use some historical perspective and to say, okay, Cody, it's happened, but guess what? It's happened to, it's happened to the best of them. The Calgary situation is a little different that you're replacing Bolivar with, I think, a, an almost proven quarterback in Jake Meyer. He's one for teams. He's come in in these situations for injury. I think he's a, there's a big gap between Jake Meyer and Mason Fine. I think that's what we see. Right yeah, there. I mean, so a little different. It's a little different situation. It is the same that here's a guy who newspapers and everyone has touted as being, you know, the franchise quarterback, the face of the franchise, everything for him, leads him to all these wins and stuff, and he can be replaced quickly, rather quickly, and rather, rather unexpectedly. Well, I didn't see a lot of that game. Sorry about that. I was on the way to the stadium and stuff, but what I did see of Bo was not very good, or not for yeah. his standards. I think he had 48 yards in the first half. Does that sound ring a bell? I'm not quite sure. He did have a long pass, I think, to Bale. But that aside, there wasn't much. Let me just check here. But it's just, again, it's it's an eventful week for quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. And if it can happen to Bo, it can happen to Cody. So maybe maybe that gives them a chance to say, okay, yeah, it happens. Uh, It's... uh, Bo Levi passed for 149 yards. uh, I knew the 40 was in there somewhere. But two interceptions. Yeah. And a QB rating of 35.7. You know, Cody was, I think, two. So, <laughs> my and I forget who Calgary uh, plays. Who's Calgary play? The... Who does Calgary play this week? Sorry, sure. Professional but podcasters don't have that information. <laughs> we, we've been so hyper-focused on the Rough Riders. I honestly <laughs> haven't looked at the rest, rest of the schedule this week. It's just like Rough Riders versus uh, Toronto versus, no, I don't even know who the Riders are playing. Rough Riders versus BC on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that that has been an absolute obsession of a game. Um, I mean, if they go into BC and 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 it's a it's reminiscent of the last six quarters against BC. Like eek. the Rough Riders as a whole need to reestablish their credibility. And if they don't win, suddenly they have a losing record yeah. going into back to backs against Winnipeg. So you're probably staring at a five and eight. And uh, ee, that's, I think I've made that sound a few times during this podcast, but this whole, <laughs> <laughs> the Rough Riders, this, uh, this of late just inspire the uh, E. And if you think about how long we've been doing these podcasts and rider rumblings that we've been, it's been pretty positive with the riders. There's been some ups and downs, but nothing as extensive like this. And, you know, you've been accused of being Cody's biggest supporter and I think rightfully so, but I also think now we, we got to take a look at it. What, what does it say about the upper level of the riders now that, that Cody's in these issues? Does it say something about Craig Dickens? Does it say something about Jeremy O'Day that's 
What's I don't think it says a lot this? about Craig Dickinson. I think Craig Dickinson is largely in the same boat as Cody. You can only do what uh, with what you have, do what you can with what you have. And I mean, the, the lack of an offensive line is is that impedes Craig Dickinson as a head coach as much as it impedes Cody Fajardo as a quarterback, um, because one third of your team isn't uh, isn't there. And so I think I think Jeremy O'Day is is the, and, and Paul Jones are the ones that should have to answer for the the fact that the Rough Riders are so mediocre. Haven't trotted out that word in a while, but um, yeah. why didn't that offensive line get fixed? It's not like it was not the number one issue coming into this season and, and emanating from last season. They they their offensive line wasn't good enough last year, and it's I think it's much worse this year. Cody is the Rough Riders quarterbacks have been sacked 37 times this year in 10 games. Well, guess what? That's as many times as the Riders were sacked in all of the 2019 season. And there's eight games difference between where the Riders are now and finishing the season. So, I mean, we're talking a sack count in the sixties, maybe pushing 70. Uh, You just can't, you can't, you can't win football games that way. Can we blink? And I think Jason Moss is, is impeded too because what can he do schematically, knowing that he doesn't have an offensive line? Um, it's uh, I said on on CJME uh, yesterday that uh, it's like trying to win the uh, win the Kentucky Derby with Mister Ed, and that's the kind of uh, position the Rough Riders are in right now. And I think that that's that is a personnel issue, and that is a Jeremy O'Day issue, and that's where I think the the problem lies. Jeremy, Jeremy O'Day has done some tremendous, made some tremendous moves to upgrade the defense. Uh, bringing in Mario Alford has enlivened the special teams, but uh, the offensive line is is terrible. And from a former offensive lineman, you, I think you'd certainly expect a, a team with a former offensive lineman, lineman as a general manager. I think you'd expect a team that at least is reflective of uh, what was his, you know, stock and trade as a player, and that was as an offensive lineman. But there's, there's that's a terrible offensive line. So, where does much the, where it, does the finger point? Does it, do we point at his knee? Do we point at Cody Fajardo's knee? I know it's the last little while, two games. I'm thinking he's, he's looked more Fajardian. Like he's had that spin move. He's appeared to be moving more, has more mobility when he has an opportunity to run with the ball. I I, I don't know if the knee is a huge issue anymore. He, he well, mentioned said, the brace, Olivia and Lawrence uh, asked uh, Cody the other day if, if the knee was a factor in. And he said, absolutely not. Now, the knee obviously isn't 100%, but a quarterback with a sore knee and more compromised mobility behind that offensive line, I think it's another symptom of a bad, of a bad offensive line. And you can't, you know, even a 100% healthy Cody would have trouble behind that offensive line. But when when your quarterback's hampered in any way, then it uh, it's really magnified. And yeah. it's the worst of both worlds. Uh Bad offensive line and a quarterback who's not 100 percent against the defense that's playing at 100 percent. And you know, Lucius Purifoy had a game. There was a yeah, and now now the Riders are playing teams that are tougher. They got through the so. I mean, the first half of the season was supposed to be the easy part, and they were five and four. Mm-hmm. And now they're playing BC, BC, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. I mean, at the end of the year, they have Calgary, Calgary. Uh, so they're into the meat of their schedule, and they they didn't really have a chance. Didn't really after starting off four and one, they didn't really take advantage of advantageous or what should have been advantageous scheduling and now they're playing the teams with the tougher defenses the tougher teams overall and if you can't get through the preliminaries at five and four what are you going to do in the in the games that are more reminiscent of main events 
and they're missing all the Look the, at her. Dog break. Pause for Look thought. Look at her. Pause for thought. Dog tails. Dog tails. There we go. Bark, Sorry. bark. Had to get her in. Uh, what do you think the impact of not having Jamal Morrow is going to be on them, Rob? I know that the running game is, is a sense of um, raise of the riders, lack of running game. They seem to start off really quickly with using Morrow, setting that tone, setting rest. He's going, oh, boy, maybe this is a game where it's all going to happen. Then he has a broken hand, and he's gone for – you know, six to eight weeks or four to six weeks in that area. Close to, close to the remainder of the regular season. And we get, you know, Frankie Hickson, who's shown great potential as the, as the backup and has looked good. And do uh, you think he can step up as a, as a, you know, for, for five carries a game? <laughs> Maybe four the thing is, is Jamal Morrow was, was also one of the keys to their receiving game. Yeah. One of the, to their passing game. So they're, they're missing him there as well. And, and, you know, it, it's, Suddenly, you know, Frankie Hickson is your compliment and a very good one. Now your compliment is Keenan LaFrance. Yeah, I know. So that's the thing, too. Your two-headed running attack, which should have been accentuated more, um, is no longer there. And they gave it a shot last week. I mean, Morrow's first two carries were impressive. Uh, Frankie Hickson's first two carries were yeah. for five and six yards. And then they just abandoned it. And granted, the game got out of hand scoring-wise, but it's teams tend to they get behind by 10 points and they forget that there's you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes left on the clock and they abandon everything and play into the defense's hands. But they they, they got away from what, if there is a core to that offense, it is, it is the ability to, to run the ball with some proficiency. And I think the, the promise and potential of that running game is seriously diminished without uh, Jamal Morrow. You know, yeah. they, they just can't win. I mean, they got, they have, they have Kyron Moore coming back this week, maybe Shaq Evans, but you lose Duke Williams for a week or two or three. And now Jamal Morrow for a much longer period than that. And Justin McKinnis coming off the best game he's played in the Canadian football league, six catches for 111 yards. And now he's out too. So, or it appears that he will be as, as of our recording time on Wednesday morning. He was moving really slowly when he came to meet the media. And, you know, sometimes you see players hurting a little bit, but he looked really banged up. So, you know, that's one of the things you miss with, with old Justin. You know, Rob, I keep taking ourselves back to the beginning of the season and training camp when we we're positive and optimistic and everything seemed, you know, this is a team, great receiving core, mm, issues with the offensive line, but they brought in a Ty Rogers and Taron Vaughn was on the, on the uh, horizon and Dan Clark was in there. And now the word I keep thinking of coming up with instead of all this is mess. What a mess. And I don't know, you know, we're supposed to have the solutions. We, we keep offering all the reasons why it's a mess. We have no solutions other than if they win, does that take the pressure off them? Does it make put a little smile on Rider Nation face heading into the Labor Day game? Or does it still, you know, win, but with perspective on the fact that this isn't, uh, this isn't a great cup contending team at this time. You know, Maybe if they win... Um... Uh, and they pulled Michael O'Connor and the BC offense down, people are going to say, and I think with some justification, yeah, but there's no Nathan Rourke. How are you going to do against Winnipeg? Yeah. Um, if they lose, ugh. If they win, there may be a bit of an asterisk depending upon the circumstances. If they win 40 to 38, then you, then that the uh, well O'Connor was in their argument is gone because the they will have had to have outscored somebody. But uh, uh you just well, I just wonder what the climate's going to be like after those those back to backs against Winnipeg. It's a you know if they can find some Labor Day magic, maybe that puts them on a in, on, in a better place going down the stretch. But 
it's easy to it's easy to emit gloom and doom when a team's lost four out of five, and even the the one they won on July eighth was tainted with the whole Garrett Marino mess. There's that word again. So it's been it's been the better part of the July and August that we've been picking apart the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and a lot of people have. Uh, and suddenly you're ten games into an eighteen game schedule. It it doesn't usually seem in late August that that much of the schedule is has been exhausted, but they're getting into the stretch run such as it is really, uh, really quickly. And it's, it's, it's approaching dire if it isn't already. I, I, I kind of think it was always about what was going to happen with this back-to-back playing Winnipeg three times out of the four, three times in one month. It was all going to be, that was going to prove what the riders really were. Were they one of these teams chasing them? But that's what I kind of thought. I, I, find, I heard one of the guys on the radio yesterday make an interesting point that since that Garrett Marino mess, this has been a different team. This has been a team that hasn't played with the confidence. The injuries have piled up. That Garrett Marino, his antics seem to have carried over from game to game, and they haven't appeared to to put it behind them as much as they're trying. Like I know, on a halftime, the half the TSN panel talked about Garrett Marino more than anything else the other day, and I was going like, he's not other than he's not he's good, but he's not. I don't know if that it warrants that much discussion, but. Do you, I kind of that's an interesting theory. Has that that all that all game against Ottawa, which appeared to show all sorts of things with Gary, you know, maybe signs of his teams is kind of where this all kind of fell apart. That's an interesting. Well, they won 28-13 against Ottawa, and all, all anybody was talking about, including yeah. the Rough Riders, was Craig Dickinson. It wasn't just a media manufactured scenario. Craig Dickinson was so disgusted he didn't didn't distribute game balls after that game. Yeah. So it wasn't just the media creating this whole situation internally. That was a stink bomb that went off in Ryderville. Mm-hmm. And it people talk a lot about Mojo. Well, they seem to have some Mojo after being 4-1, and one against, uh, granted against weaker opposition, but they played really well against Ottawa. And a lot of the things that we are lamenting now weren't even discussed uh, back on July 8th. And since then, they're 1-4. And, and it's a it's a real tipping point for this organization. 4-1 and one after the win against Ottawa and 1-4 and since. And with the one victories against an Edmonton team that they pretty much donated the game to them. They've struggled to, to beat Edmonton in, in both games played at Commonwealth Stadium this year. So even the one victory you look at it will say, well, that wasn't especially impressive. So um, what promise is there after this? They, It's a real, not only for Cody Fajardo, but I think for the whole organization, they have to at least show that there is a pulse and there is some hope if they're sub 500 heading into September, well, last time I checked, even the Labor Day Classic isn't sold out, which is yeah, telling. There's also an interesting scenario that since that July 8th game, they've had one guy suspended. They've had Duke Williams suspended. Now they have Gary Johnson Jr. suspended for whatever happened on the weekend. You ever heard of three the guys? F- the S on the helmet stands for suspended now. You ever, like, I don't, we may look, but three suspensions in one season? That's got to be a team record. Excuse me, folks. I'm going to have to have a little cough here, too. Take it from there, Rob. No, I I can't remember. This seems like more than a season. Like, it just, there's been so much even in this past, the past month and a half, two months. It's it's just the ongoing drama. The, the, the I wouldn't say that it's become a circus, although it was during the Garrett Marino week. And uh, the Rough Riders didn't contain the Garrett Marino situation very well to the point where, He's gone for four games. He comes back, and then the first thing anybody's doing uh, at practice, Garrett Marino's first day back, is interviewing him. You know, a story that should have been contained weeks ago. It's just it's it's team distraction, and 
and it's tough for them to get any continuity going because there's just the injuries have been chronic and uh and uh we are where we are now the there is some good news, Murray. You were at the Ryder Annual Meeting. And, well, I knew you were going to show that. You know, you and, know me uh, numbers were off. Well, their virtual <laughs> $3.9 million profit based on their on, on last season's yeah. operations. Um, I didn't. I, did, I was surprised they made that much money considering that attendance wasn't robust last year. But the merchandise sales, and I'll have to look over at my notes. I know where the merchandise sales were great. Again, they had... Oh, nearly four and a half million merchandise sales. Sponsorship sales were seven point two million. Ticket revenue wasn't as great. We know that. That's pretty it was an eleven million dollar gate. But compared to twenty nineteen, they had nearly a seventeen million dollar gate million dollar gate with four more. But yeah, the you know, it's funny. You just when you're ready to write this team off, they find a way to kind of go, hey, look at this. They made money on a season that was shortened, a product that was, shall we say, less than stellar. Missing some of the big because without training camps and those kind of things, and you and I look out over the stands all the time, and we see empty seats. We don't, but that's part of the configuration of the stadium too, with people wandering around. But yeah, they they surprised me. I never expected that number. I expected it's actually more than the Blue Bombers made, slightly more than the Blue Bombers made with the Great Cup year and all that stuff. So that's one of the points. Yeah, but you know, and so. Basically, you have to say they're on pace to do well again this year with a great cup coming here, regardless of who's playing in it. That's going to make money for the riders. And, you know, Craig said it's a multi-year recovery, and it's going to be multi-year recovery. Craig Reynolds, I'm talking about the president of the team. But they could be in pretty good shape in another year or two, which you and I would never have believed after a cancellation of the season and then a shortened game of a season and all the things that have gone on. So Rider Nation continues to surprise and – uh you know, maybe this is a, the franchise, the league's one of the league's best franchises when it comes to that kind of stuff. But boy, you got to have the product on the field to offset some of all all of this. It kind of takes away from all of this good news that uh, is happening. I remember, the 2011, they made a ton of money in 2011. Didn't matter. Yeah. That team sucked. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, there's there was a time when you looked at the rider balance and it was critical to the teams are viable. They're not in that mode anymore but uh coming out of a pandemic it's certainly a tonic for them to uh to do what they did uh, we have a question we have our first reader question or viewer question of the year is from dave mclean and he's wondering about the status of micah tights Mur, go uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a question i have I've had my mind and reminded myself to ask a couple of well, times he's, but he's I, on the six game list he's so still on the six game list have, he would have two games left left uh, on that yeah, so is this his second belt on his on, second stint on the on the, on the stint, six game so list? I wish I had an answer. I'm going to say your answer is Larry Dean. There's no reason to rush Micah Tights back, regardless of what's wrong with him. I have seen him at practice the last little while. I never saw him in the first uh, third of the season. So, you know, with Larry Dean there, it's a question that's questionable. But boy, do you even how do you get him? Where back do you on the where roster? do you how do you mess with that linebacking core? Yeah, and Larry Dean is just, so good. So, so yeah. good. He, and, you know, he'll always have the Achilles tear, but boy, of, of the four of them that went down, he's just come back and played like an all-star. And So maybe the answer to your question is when is Micah Tights back? Well, I don't think it's a big issue right now because they're going to go with Larry Dean till something happens to him. But yeah. thanks for I the mean, question. Micah Tights will help the team. Uh, um, I mean, he's a tremendous special teams player. And, and uh, Larry Dean is 34 years old. So mm. maybe you can get a bit of a breather. Here and there. Um, 
we've got to run, uh, yes. but not well, without the traditional exit that uh, I, re I recite so shakily every week. So here we go. You forgot it? I, I know it. I should know this by heart by now. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I get my podcasts on my phone. I don't even know what that function is. It just says podcasts. It works great. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstoneapostmedia.com, and we'll read it on the show as we have just dem demonstrated. Uh, you can follow me, Rob, on Twitter, at Rob Vanstone, or Murray at MurrayLP. And as always, do not tweet Murray Mandrick when you're intending to tweet Murray McCormick or vice versa. Perfect. Right, Murray Mandrick? Right. <laughs> I got called Murray Mandrick the other day, too. And I don't think we even look remotely alike, but we do share a fabulous first name. <laughs> and uh, on that fabulous note, we'll sign <laughs> off. Um, who knows what we're going to be talking about next week, given this this uh, wondrous Rough Rider season we're, we're, that we are experiencing for uh, one of the top two Murrays at the Leader Post right now. I'm Rob Badstone, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for your time. Take care.